What's up, Bridger Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bridge Runners Live. Tonight, episode number 73, with two amazing and inspirational runners, Melissa Fabian Strain and Carol Youngblood, who both just ran the Canal Corridor 100. Carol took fifth place, finishing in 21 hours, 40 minutes, and Melissa ended up getting cut off, but showed incredible determination and continued on to finish the 100 mile distance in 37 hours. She had the support of her crew, the race directors, and other runners who were passing along the way. We were so excited to sit down and talk to them about this race and their experiences that they had there. It was an amazing show. They're both incredible and awesome humans. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. What is Crackalack and Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight, we are super excited to sit down with two incredible runners who ran the Canal Corridor 100 mile endurance run just a few weeks ago. Coming to us all the way from Northeast Ohio, Melissa Fabian Strand, Carol Youngblood. How are you both doing? We're doing awesome. Good. Super happy to be here. Thanks for having us. We're super excited to have you as a guest, both of you as guests tonight on the show, and to kind of hear your story and how the race played out for both of you. Uh, it's going to be an incredible show. If you have any questions for these two, make sure to get those in the chat early. For those of you that don't know, my name is Wesley Art, and holding down the floor with me tonight is a man who finished his first 100-mile race <laughs> at Canal Quarter 100-mile, like we mentioned before, JD3. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and eventually you're going to have to stop saying that because uh, it's going to be like, everyone's going to be like, what? Again? Still? <laughs> Still bring that up. Um, it's, it's just for canal shows. Just for canal shows. Yeah, which we've had three of because it's been an, it was an amazing event. So we've obviously had to have everyone on. We could. Um, I think let's get into the favorite part of the evening right here. This is always the best part. What is what is everyone drinking? Let's go with uh, Carol. What do you got over there? I have an athletic brewing company upside down golden ale, which I'm not ashamed to say is leftover from the picnic that they had for us on Sunday at the race, which was a great time. And they were our sponsor. So we should give them kudos for the uh, Canal Quarter sponsor. Nice. Mm. And I am drinking the same. It, it is really good. Awesome. Uh, That's awesome. John, are we on the same chemistry? Let's do a reveal here. Three, two, one. No. Oh, we're not. What are you drinking, John? I am drinking a well-being um, Hellraiser Dark Amber. It is also a non-alcoholic, though, so I'm a part of the other group over here. And I'm basically following the same train. I'm on the hard seltzer, which is basically non-alcoholic. It's a Westwater <laughs> Uenta Brewing Company. It's a raspberry tart and tangy uh, hard seltzer out here in Utah. So I saw this one. It piqued my interest. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, let's dive into things. You know, you can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. As always, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're on Strava, join our Ridge Runners Club on Strava, filled with so many incredible runners from around Ridge Runner Nation. Before we dive into the story about the race, and that's going to be kind of the big focus for tonight, I want to kind of learn a little bit about your guys' running background and kind of how you found the sport of ultra running and trail running in general. So let's start off with that. Um, Carol, if you want to start off with what was the first time that you, what, what was that moment like the first time you decided to lace up a pair of running shoes? The interesting thing, I ran some in high school and then didn't run again until two of my sisters invited me to, to walk a half marathon with them at the Columbus Marathon. And 
I thought, oh my gosh. I think Carol uh, froze up a little bit on us, but we'll make sure to get her back in here momentarily. So we'll jump over to, uh, yeah, we'll get her back in in a second. Melissa, what about you? What, what was what was it like for you when you first started? When did you, as Wesley says, lace up your first pair of running shoes? It was in March of 2012. Um, I was just started dating my husband now, or a boyfriend now, husband. And he signed up for a 5K. I couldn't do it because I had to work. So he finished and I was so excited. I thought, well, if he could do it, I can do it. So my first run ever official race was girls on the run 5k and i was hooked just like that just like that and i am a race junkie so stick us through the progression there obviously you know a lot of people you know even today one of my coworkers was like you know i just now starting to run 5k's but you know i could never really see myself as an ultra runner you know i kind of pushed back on that and said you know i think you know everyone could kind of do it if they kind of set their mind to it. What was that transition like for you, obviously, to go from 5K to 100 miles? Take us through what that's like. I guess I needed more challenge. That's why I continued to up my mileage. You know, I've done my 5Ks, 10Ks, half, you know, half marathons, marathons, and I loved them. Then I got into trail, did my first trail, um, 25K, and I just kept on you know, doing every distance. Now I used to train really hard and get pretty decent times. Well, that kind of doesn't happen too much anymore, but if I would train, I would get better times, but I just wanted to finish a hundred. So by the, it was my next new challenge. It was, and I was really confident I could make it in 30 hours, but obviously I didn't. So it yeah, and we'll, a very long time. <laughs> we'll, we'll dive into that more yeah. in depth here in a second, but kind of like what was, obviously, you know, you said you're a race junkie. Uh, right. What excites you most about races? You know, because I feel like a lot of people, you know, the it's the atmosphere, you know, it's the people you meet. What for you makes races so special? It's my friends. It's the spectators. It's the feeling of accomplishment that I did it. It's you know, going out in the heat or even in the cold and just getting it done and, you know, going out for a beer afterwards or breakfast with my friends. And it's just, it's just like nothing else. Yeah, that's awesome. I love, I love hearing about how people kind of get into that and that, that mentality of just trying and, you know, pushing to just kind of go the next distance and stuff like that, you know, like, just seeing if you can is sometimes just the purest reason of trying some of the longer distances. And it sounds like that's exactly kind of like what the hundred was for you. Just, can I do it? And I knew I could do it. I knew cause I've done 24 hour runs. I did the Eagle up and did 78 miles in June. So, and that 24 hour on the tow path. So I knew I could do it, but it's still scary. Because yeah. It's, it's a long distance. <laughs> Yes. Still 22 more miles. So obviously you've got that. And like I said, we'll get into that in a minute here. Right. Um, so leading up to, I guess, canal for this year, what was kind of like your, your training? Like, did you do very specific stuff? Was it low mileage? Did you, you know, what were you, what were you doing building up to that? 
Well, I was doing my normal races. And then with Carol and her sister, Rachel, we were actually all three of us going to go run it together. And so we were trained a lot with them on the toe pack, just doing, doing the run. Sorry, my dog came up. So um, We love dogs. So we just, so we just, just my normal training, but little extra on the, on the toe pack. And I'm not a fan of toe pack running. It kind of gets to me boring after a while. Yeah. So, but running with Carol and Rachel was a blast. I loved going, you know, every weekend or anytime during the week we could get together and walk, run. So, so, um, on that, like, what was kind of your mileage like, like, was it, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, or just kind of just didn't track. I don't even keep track of it. I, everything I do, I wing. I mean, I, like I said, I, in the beginning from like 2012, 13, 14, even to like 16 or 17, I trained, you know, I did the mileage, I stick to a plan, but ever since like 17, 18, I just kind of wing it. I'm like, I can do it. I don't need to train. Well, I'm the back of the packer though, but I usually get it done. But I know when to um, do not finish though. If I'm hurt or if it's not worth it, I have no problem do not finishing. I mean, that's at least I started. Yep. And so you kind of talked about, you know, the hundred mile distance being a big goal of yours. You know, you wanted to kind of accomplish that, but why did you choose canal corridor 100 specifically? And uh, what kind of excited you most about that race? Oh, excited me. It was local. And I knew, I know the toe path, even though I don't like it. I, I run it and I know. It. Um, and then my support, my crew, I had my pacers, they were all local. And I had so many people wanting to help out. So many people said, I'll do this. I'll do that. And my husband and my two good friends, Shelly and Becky, they crewed me. And we had somebody who's like, I'm definitely, you know, being your last pacer because I want to run you in the final. And it's, it's just so it's that. And I heard the Canal Quarter was an excellent race. And they were right. They it was well organized and. Just the runners and the volunteers were amazing. So that's why I picked that one. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was... Yeah, so kind of going off that then, I I mean, the race day... Oh, go for it, John. Oh, no, I'm I'm good now. You already started. I think you're delayed too to me. Okay. No, kind of going off that, I mean... the the atmosphere at this race, you know, you kind of talked about it and, you know, the excitement that uh, the, the runners felt, you know, at packet pickup, the starting line and kind of throughout all the aid stations, you know, there's so much, the race is so accessible. You know, you can see your crew so often and, you know, there's a ton of spectators out there cheering everyone on. And, you know, it's kind of just one of those unique race races. And just because of the accessibility, because of the community that this race is built around, I think it makes it one of the best races in Ohio, but going off of that, what was that moment like for you at the starting line of this race, knowing that, Hey, I'm about to run this 100 miles. It's the goal that I've been chasing down for a long time. And which, what were your emotions going through when the, uh, Emily set the racers off? Yeah, I was just so excited and scared. And I was just all smiles the whole, you know, the first five, 10 miles, even half marathon and just all smiles and just, you know, talking to runners because everybody kind of started slow 
and just started, you know, chatting with some other runners. And it was just, it was, I just couldn't believe it was here. The day was there that I was actually going to do it. And I really, really did think that I was going to complete this race. I was, because I I said it was one and done. Well, you know, everybody kind of says that. We'll see. So is it a one and done for you then? No. <laughs> How long did that take from from the finish to that? <laughs> oh, two days, three days. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it's after that hundred. It. I need to make it within the time. It's. It really is a big goal to me. Now that I finished it, now I know what I have to do to make it, you know, work. That's awesome. So let's let's dive into the first few miles then of of canal. So what did like you said? Obviously, you said you felt really good the first like ten half marathon. Like, what was that first kind of block like? The first thirty. Um, did you have any low points in that first thirty? And no, actually, no. The whole I just I well, it started out. I kind of estimated my time too fast to begin with. On my little, I have my little storyboard we call it board here where where I was thinking I was going to be at a certain race at certain times mm -hmm. and I was you know first I was like half hour off and then because I was slower than I expected to be and it just kept on getting slower and slower so that was getting me a little discouraged but it wasn't too slow that I wasn't going to finish the race it was still in within well within the you know the 18 minute mile it was more like a 14, 15. And I was thinking I was going to do 12 or 13, the first, you know, five miles or something like that. And the fir first 30, but no, I, I had fun. I mean, I think when I passed, well, when I picked up my pacer, then it just re-energized me. I picked her up at um, Connie. I picked her up at Silver Springs and it was still going good. I was still doing 18 minute miles or so and you know or under making mm. making time and but it kind of flowed way down yeah well, it sounds, sounds awesome and you did, were like you know so so on point kind of pretty much for most of the early part of the race and and that yes. felt really really good for you carol glad to see you're back with us now oh my gosh i restarted everything i don't know what happened but i'm back Awesome. We, we got you now. That's all that matters. Uh, we'll we'll kind of get you up to speed here real quick. And we'll just kind of start off with, um, you know, wh why did you pick the canal quarter 100 miler uh, for this year? Wh why did you decide to register for this one and take a tackle this 100 miler as this big challenge? I only signed up to run this because my little sister, Rachel, who cruised for me for every race and always is very supportive of my running wanted to run her first 100 mile run, but she didn't want to do it by herself. Um, she wanted to do it together. So we both signed up. Uh, we were training with Melissa. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yep. Yes. Yep. We gotcha. Uh -oh. I just shouldn't talk. We can hear you just fine. That wasn't too loud. Um, so yeah, we were all training together and, and um, then, then Rachel, Rachel got, got hurt. hurt. So she was, she was hurt. hurt. Um, 
probably about six or seven weeks before the actual race. So I decided to change gears and I could do um, on my own. So can you guys hear me? Yep. We got gotcha. you. Okay. All right. I'm just doing this on my iPhone now. Okay. So, um, yeah, with her not able to run, I'm like, well, I'm just going to shift gears and just see what I can do on a flat course. This was actually my ninth 100 mile run, but the other 100 milers I've done, um, I've done Mohican 106 times and I ran burning river twice. And those are always, you know, hilly and rocks, roots and all that. So I had absolutely no idea what I was capable of on a flat course. So I was super, super, super shocked at really, really exciting. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And kind of going off that, you know, uh, those, obviously those races have incredible atmospheres, so like Mohican and Burning River, but, you know, I feel like Canal, especially in recent years has it's kind of taken everything to a new level in the 100 mile scene in Ohio. Kind of talk about what that moment was like for you at the starting line of that race and what the emotions were like going through your head. Well, I was nervous because I usually don't have a time goal and I really wanted to finish in under 24 hours. Um, but it was just really exciting because Melissa and I are local. So there were so many people there that we know and love, um, fellow runners, like it just, yeah, exciting, nervous, just, it was everything, <laughs> every emotion, but also just really comforting that I had seen every inch of that course. I knew that course and just being surrounded by friends and just Emily and everybody involved with that race is just wonderful. And I knew that I would be taken care of. And I actually volunteered overnight every year at the canal corridor up until this year. So, um, you know, I'm just, it, it was exciting to be running it instead of volunteering as much as I love volunteering. That's awesome. Um, in your, so the first couple of miles of this race, um, you know, you jump into, you said you, the race environment was great, you know, like your local, so you know, the course and stuff like that. So, you know, you get started in the morning. How, how are you feeling in those first, like, you know, three, four, five, six miles out from the gate? Just, I mean, I just have this feeling in the first, you know, 25 to 40 miles of any 100, like, let's just get this done so we can get the real work going so we can get the real work started. You know, let's just not do anything stupid. Let's just cruise, make sure we're eating and drinking like we're supposed to, and just get this part done and get to the good stuff. So, you know, there's just not really lots to say about, you know, the first 40 ish miles. I really lucked out, um, that I was, I got to Skyland, um, for the first time and I'm just running along and I hear my name all of a sudden. And one of my friends from elementary school that I hadn't run with in six years came up behind me all of a sudden, and we were running similar paces and I got to share 10 miles with her. So those 10 miles just flew by. So Aaron Lewis, if you're watching, it was so great running with you. I just love her. Um, and then we split up when we got back to Skyland aid station, cause we had different goals, um, for the aid station. And then I had a pacer 10 miles later. So, I mean, it just, 
yeah, those first 46 miles, they just tick, tick, tick. Cruise control, got it done, didn't do anything too stupid, thankfully. And there it was, picking up that first pacer. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you and us had similar starts where you both were just kind of like chugging through and just smiling and happy. And, you know, you both got to those pacers and you're like, let's go. Love that. Yep. Um, for those first checking boxes for those first 40 some miles, what did your nutrition look like? What were you, what were you two doing for, um, calories? Were you mostly food? Was it like real food? Were you doing like tailwind or something like that? What did that look like? Well, I was doing, well, some real food. I had some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, uh, I can't even remember some, some protein shakes from like protein shakes and oh some jelly beans they had at the stations but pretty much I it's really hard for me to eat solid foods and run so I have to try to drink my calories and a lot of that was the protein protein shakes that I was drinking but then I had throughout the race you know I had um grilled cheese um Carol's sister dropped me off some pierogies at the um at mile 51. So those were delicious and perfect time when I needed it. And, but then by, by after 50, I was just drinking my calories because I just couldn't eat anything solid. Well, you Carol, what does yours look like? Well, I don't know if it's come up yet. I am not very anal retentive in my everyday life, but I am an over planner and super anal retentive when it comes to my race plans. I don't know if the storyboards were mentioned yet, but I'm very detailed about how I plan my race. That's my storyboard. So I am always afraid that there's you know, I, I plan food, but you know, there's always going to be things that you think are a great idea. And then you get out there and then they're just not at all. Um, so I plan a huge variety of foods. Like the day before I'm going four different places to buy like subs and I get sushi that doesn't have, um, like seafood in it and like a cheeseburger and a wrap. And I just have all these different things to pick from. Um, so I was doing all of those different things and I had some pierogies too and grilled cheese and quesadillas and gels and bars and protein shakes and just a whole lot of a whole bunch of different stuff. And my crew puts up with it. They have everything ready. Um, you know, my sister and my cousin crewed for me and I didn't use any of the aid station food because I just wanted to keep moving. That was the goal. Like, and I even planned food that I could just take with me that I wasn't going to have to sit and eat. So, um, I mean, that saved me so much time, not really stopping. Um, and usually my stomach really likes it when I have a lot of different types of food. Um, this race was the first time I ever had stomach issues that didn't quickly pass. And I don't know still if it was that I didn't drink enough because typically when I run Mohican and I see my crew, I make sure I have two drinks every time that I drink something high calorie and something low calorie, or if it's just that probably Mohican, I bet I run 50 or 60 miles of it. And with this, I bet I ran 85 to 90 miles of it. So I wasn't like hiking and drinking like I normally would. I don't know if it was nutrition. I don't know if it was the lactic acid from the running, but, but, um, that part it is. Oh, um, 
but you know, and I got through it, it wasn't until towards the end. Um, but yeah, I just try to have lots and lots of variety and lots of variety in my electrolyte drinks too. Um, heat, tailwind, noon, body armor, Gatorade. I've, I use them all because I swear too much of any one thing. You just feel like you're going to puke. I could see that. But then yeah. at the end, you know, you're just going to shove them down whatever you'll get. Um, exactly. <laughs> just like, Whoop. but I try to plan different ones. So they're not always handing me the same thing. Nice. Um, progy thing. I have a fun anecdote about the progy thing. I like really, really, really was craving some progies out there. And then I think we, Wesley and I left, I think, I think it was 85 or no, or something like that. And like someone pulled out a griddle to start making progies as soon as I left. So I never got to see him getting made. Cause if I was sitting there like wanting progies, I'd have been like, Oh, so jealous. But it was just perfect timing when I just left the aid station. And that's what happened after I left. So I was like, I'm glad it happened. I got, I'm glad I got up when I did. <laughs> so I love progies during races. They're great. Mm-hmm. Um, they had them at every aid station at Eastern States when I paced. That was amazing. Yeah. And they were cooked perfectly. It's awesome. I don't think I do Eastern States now just because of that. Um, <laughs> John only does pierogi friendly races. Yep. All about that. <laughs> there you go. Um, I kind of, I want to talk more about these storyboards that you two have both behind you in your shots right now, because they, you both are doing these and you both talked about them a little bit. Go more in depth into this, this plan here and how, how, how it's all organized and color coded and it's all They look crazy. better than our storyboards for our films, John. Yeah, I know. This is, we need to take some notes for this. this I is know. My husband did this one for me. So and with, you know, with my help and it's just every little thing is the start and you know, what time I think I'm going to be at the next aid station and you know, what pace and what maybe I want to eat. But that's it went all bad for mine because my time was way off. <laughs> so but yeah, like the pink's water only. The the uh, mine is the orange is crew, and but the the green is full aid. So that's all Carol. All Carol. So. <laughs> that all was me Carol. pushing I'm Melissa. Wing, yeah, I'm a wing it girl. This <laughs> I know never, this would never have happened if. But I loved it. My my crew and my pacers loved it. Oh, but unless they were waiting for five hours for me, but <laughs> and they were happy to. Now I can't remember when I started doing these, but I do one um, for Mohican every year, and I have four columns at Mohican for the four loops. So for this one, I did that. This was the out, and then we turned around, and then this was going back to downtown Akron. And then out to um, the turnaround and then back. And it has, yeah, the aid station, what mile marker it is. Um, there are so many eraser marks on here because I change my mind all the time. It's what shoes I'm wearing, what clothes I'm wearing, what I want to eat, what I want to drink. If I want my crew to meet me there, um, how many snacks I think I need to pack. And I don't know how, oh, and I have the little towpath map here too. And I don't know how I would pack without it because when I go to pack for the race, then all my drop bags and everything, it's already planned out. It's already figured out. And I start this weeks in advance, but it just helps me think through the race and organize it. And it kind of, I talked about ticking things off in my head. Like I'm ticking all of this. Like I can picture where I am on the course by picturing my storyboard in my head. It just helps plan and organize 
And then we always have, my sister calls it Mohican school. The night before Mohican, we had Canal Corridor School with my sister and my cousin, where we go through it all together and they make their own notes and just talk the whole thing through. I, I, you don't have to, you know, plan your races that way, but it is so helpful to me. I, I think it's absolutely incredible, especially because the the mental side of it, you know, the one thing I'm most interested about the storyboard that you guys kind of have drawn out there is the fact that like you're mentally walking through your race before it mm-hmm. happens and you know mm-hmm. you're planning for like shoe changes and stuff to kind of not go totally awry but you know stuff that's, that's going to happen during 100 miles you're planning for it beforehand and you're making those adjustments beforehand so when you get to the, the adversity in a race you're already mentally ready to make those adjustments and move forward talk mm-hmm. about how massive that is for you in a race knowing that you have that confidence from these storyboards mm-hmm. It's huge. It's huge for me because I know that things are going to go awry on there and I might not necessarily stick to that, but I know that I'm not going to get to mile 73.5 and think, oh, should I change? What should I put on? Which of these shoes do I want to wear? Like you just don't want to be making game day decisions, like at least have a decision made ahead of time. And you can decide not to do it at that point, but at least you don't have to think it through. And just even like in my mind, it's like, oh, okay, well, this is the point where I get to put on my Bondi shoes. So I'm done with those Challenger ATRs and now it's Bondi time, you know, like it's another way of, all right, I've accomplished ATR time and now it's Bondi time. So things to make you feel like you're getting somewhere. I'm in this new vest. That means I made it through that other vest. I'm on to something new, like mentally pressing those reset buttons. I'm always trying to find ways to do that, whether it's switching out my pace or switching out my shoes, switching out my vest. Um, and I'm big on giving myself things to look forward to on the course. Very big on that. I absolutely love that answer. Uh, Melissa, what about you? Oh, it was, it was definitely a great tool. My, my, especially for my crew, Becky and Shelly, and then my husband, Richard, my crew knew what to have ready. They knew the shoes I was changing at Ernie's. They knew that I, they knew I wanted the pierogies. So they had that ready. They knew I wanted mostly uncrustables. And I always said, always have an orange and they had that on always have an orange and a cheese stick. And they just knew, you know, they just, it was more for them to have, get them ready for me. Cause, cause you know, I really don't know what I'm going to need, you know, in a race. Yeah. Well, and if you don't tell them what you want, then they're going to be standing there saying, well, what do you want? And if you communicate that ahead of time, it just keeps things going and moving. Yeah, we have a, a question on this from uh, Mike Anderson in the chat. It says, very organized. It says, my wife, crew in parentheses, has a book and takes deep notes on each race, you know, and very detailed. Do either of you uh, have significant others as crew? And how does that work for you guys? Oh, my husband's my crew. So, no, he's he's there for me, whatever I need. And then he goes home and lets our dog out since it was local. So and then he comes back out. <laughs> No, he's, no, he's great. Um, he did kind of take a little nap and miss me at one of my, uh, uh, crew stations. I had to call him, wake him up, but it was all good. So thank goodness for the aid station. Yeah. 
Well, my little sister cruised for me. And if you think this is anal retentive, you should see her. She literally, she has an accounting degree. She has spreadsheets for every single one of my Mohicans and my arrival time and departure time every single time, like for that is a cruise spot for Mohican for every year that I've done it. Um, she's super organized. I go over the storyboard during Mohican school. She makes detailed notes. She will actually make notes during Mohican school and then go back through and rewrite them because it helps her remember things better. And she wants to make sure that they're organized and perfect. I mean, she's really my secret weapon in all this. Um, and we, it means she's crew for me. All, I did the Mohican 50 twice and then the 106 times. So eight years in a row, she's crewed for me for that race. So she knows like, you know, she's learned over time. I'm not as bad as I used to be. I would say I want the electrolyte drink in the right pocket and the water in the left every time. And one time, dear God, I think the first time she untied my shoes and I just went off on her because I had my shoes tied exactly the way that I wanted them. And why in the world would she untie them? And one time she was maybe like 30 feet from the side of the trail. And I went off on her because why would she make me walk extra 30 feet? You know, when I'm running a hundred miles, like I, I don't need those extra steps. So, you know, little hiccups along the way. And it makes me sound like a jerk to even say that, but, um, she's just, Rachel's amazing and I couldn't do it without her. And that's a lot of why I wanted to run this race with her. And hopefully she'll be healed up enough to be able to do this in a year or maybe two. She had a tear to her, um, glute that's healing right now. Um, but yeah, she's, she's the best. And then my cousin jumped in and helped this year, but she, uh, runs the Tuscazor, uh, 100 wedding aid station with my sister and I every year. So she understands what purring is like and what runners need in the middle of the night and all that. So she was super great too. So that Rachel could take a nap. She crewed. Yeah, no, that's great insights, especially like for me next year when I do my Mohican 100 predictions, if you decide to run that race. Oh, you know, predictions. It's, oh, it's, okay. It's, I'm always good. in the middle there. <laughs> it's awesome to know that, you know, you got someone with eight years of data at this race in an Excel sheet. <laughs> I think that she has a little bit of advantage over a lot of people at this race. I'm definitely going to use that uh, in my stats a year from now, but uh, no, that's great. Let's let's dive back into the canal here. This is going to be uh, kind of fun getting back into the heart of the race for you guys. Obviously, you, get, you mm-hmm. just picked up your pacers. And, you know, things are obviously, you know, 50 miles into a race, 50 miles into a hundred. This is kind of when things start to get interesting. Kind of talk mm-hmm. about what those next 25 miles look like for you both in starting with Melissa. Mm-hmm. All right. From 50 to about seven, let's, let's take it to Ira to 79. Um, they were going okay. Just slow. My, I was in good spirits still. I was ready to, you saw me, I was ready to rock and roll. I wanted, I was really, really far behind. Now, if everybody watching here doesn't know, it took me, I think, 36 hours to finish this race, 36, 37, somewhere around there. Everybody was, (laughs) but I finished. Um, So I just, I felt good. And I had good spirits, but I was walking and just really slow, but I got to, I kept on getting pacers and I was feeling good. I wasn't tired. My body wasn't, I was, you know, tired because of the time, but I wasn't like physically tired. So it was really good. I just was running slow and, and it really was getting me discouraged. And it was also making me feel a bit embarrassed because now I'm just going out while everybody else is just finishing up. 
And I was kind of jealous too, <laughs> seeing all these people coming in to finish and, and, but I didn't, I was, I was determined to finish it, you know, as long as I didn't really, really hurt myself. So how did that determination play out? Because I think it's super interesting, you know, not a, there's not a lot of races out there where, you know, if you do get cut off, you know, you, you can kind of press on to finish, you know, the race director was super encouraging as well. And, you know, the aid station, the accessibility at this race, it get, kind of makes it a unique uh, environment, but talk about your mindset, obviously, you know, being told that you're cut off and you have to hand in your bib, but you decide oh, to press on, I, talk yeah, about what that was like. At second full, my first time, I second soul, I think I, I had to turn in my um my band. And they're like, you know, you're not gonna, you know, pretty much you're not gonna have any aid stations for you. I said, I know, don't wait on me, close up. I have a I have a whole crew, I have pacers, nobody's gonna let me here alone, you know, it's safe, you know, and it just it just I just wanted to finish and I really did not want to do it again. So I was determined <laughs> to finish, but yeah, but it was just, it was just determination to finish. I mean, I just wanted to finish. Yeah. I mean, when we, when we saw you, you were, you were going out to Ira right by the, the poop plant over there in, in Bottom area. Um, <laughs> I remember I love, you guys now. Yeah. I love saying it that way. And like, it's just funny. Cause like you're coming up and you're just like, I think you said something along the lines like I'm five hours behind, but I'm finishing. And you're like, I got like, you just know, like not, a, not a bit of like hesitation or like doubt or anything. It was just like, I know I'm slow, but I'm, I'm doing it period. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And I was not, it, I, if you think you're embarrassed, you should not be because we were like, yes, like go get it. Like, and like, we were literally talking on the way back from there. I was like, we need to find out who that is and get her on the show. Cause I want to hear the story. Like, cause I love the challenging stories. I love when, when someone puts it all out there. Everybody just thinks I'm just crazy for doing all these. They really do. And and I don't get hurt. I don't know if it's just my body makeup that I'm able to do it without. Of course, I'm not pushing myself, mm-hmm. you know, really hard, you know, to, you know, cause a lot of injury. But they just think I'm crazy. They really do. But it's fun. And But they all cheer for me. They all they all like it. I, there's a best running community here in the Canal Quarter region and my local in Canton. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of jumping over to you now, Carol, what was like the miles 50 from 75 like for you? Well, before that, even, I just want to say about Melissa, I crewed for her at Eagle Up. I was in a tent crewing for her and um, for a, a bunch of other friends and other people come in and they'd be like, oh, it's hot. This hurts. I don't know how far I'm going to go. Like just, you know, the way, you know, runners are. Melissa, she'd come in. She'd be like, oh, hey, she'd sit down. She'd be like, oh, yeah. My feet are killing me, but you know, I can keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to have some coke. I'm going to keep going. Like there's just something about her that she can be facing all this adversity, but she's still just like, oh yeah, but I'm still going. I'm going to keep going. And I absolutely love that about her. Like that is just, it's so special and great. So I just wanted to say that because it's true, Melissa. That's why I, I totally wanted to train don't. with you. I totally forgot about the coke. I definitely feel on coke. <laughs> Oh my God, I can't believe that is my staple. I mean, they have a Coke. What do you want? I mean, duh, I want a Coke. I mean, you don't need to ask me. Yep. Yep. So. Yep. 
Yeah. I like to joke too, that I'm a recreational Coke user because I only drink Coke during races. So I'm purely recreational as far as it goes. <laughs> you know, the Coke. Um, so yeah, the 50 to 75, my, um, I, I use, I almost always use four pacers if I can, because as I was talking about earlier, mentally setting that reset button, um, you know, changing up people, changing up stories. Um, and I always pick somebody who's never paced me before to be my first pacer. Uh, so I picked someone that I worked with and it achieved exactly what I wanted to achieve because she's fit, but she doesn't do a lot of these races. So every time she'd see me at work, she'd be like, oh my gosh, Carol, are you so excited? I'm so excited. And, you know, showed up that day and was so excited because you, you know, if you do them a lot, you tend to forget just how cool and exciting it really is. So having somebody that's new to all of it really gets you excited and um, she was just super great. And if people saw the Run Carol Run written at Butterbridge and Sidewalk Chalk, that was Yay. her husband and her kids. And they met us like as often as they could just to cheer on the course. And her kids are real little. And they had like a spooky skeleton like thing that they jumped out to try to scare us to make us run faster. And they made little index cards with a note of encouragement for every mile. And we're just super great. Um, so with Brooke, that was just fantastic. And then one of my good friends ran with me for the next 10 miles. And that was that section um, where we had Vanderhoof. And that was the first time where I really felt like I was starting to get overheated a little bit and had to walk a couple times. Um, so that was one of the more difficult sections, but it was still really fun and really great. Um, and then 7D, I picked up my friend Kathy Baker um, in Akron. And yeah. <laughs> was that you, Melissa? The whoop? It was. Or was that her? Because I know she's watching. <laughs> um, and yeah, we just, we really just cruised on all the way to Ira. So that, I mean, that takes me, yeah, like that 46 to 70. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I love the idea about um, splitting up the pacers into multiple where you get like, and that having someone who's never paced before as your first pacer is I think extremely unique. Um, like you were saying, it, it allows you to kind of like kind of go into the, well here, like, and just talk to them. And it's like, they're excited because it's something completely new to them. And, and I think I saw that with a couple other people that I run with here locally who, who pace some people and were just like blown away by the, the, just the environment of being in a hundred pacing somebody and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I love that. I kind of want to use that in the future if I can coordinate that, with, especially with <laughs> local races. And kind of going off that, I feel like you have to like be an adult in that early section of like having a beginner pacer, like, cause they don't really know all the nuances. Like you can't just roll over at that moment yeah. and like kind of just like flop on the ground and like let them save you kind of thing. Um, Kind of talk about like what that's like, you know, those communications, like, are you kind of going through like, Hey, like, this is what I need. Or like, what are those conversations actually like out there on the course for you? And you have a new pacer for the first time. And that's why I always use a new pacer as my very first pacer, because I'm usually still pretty put together, but I do have, um, conversations and actually, actually like make notes for my pacers um, you know, looking at my storyboard and thinking through and what I need and like what the definites are. Like I make notes for them that, Hey, when I get to this point, you need to make sure that I do this. Um, as often as you think about it, you need to remind me to drink and you need to ask me how my eating is going and how my drinking is going, because I'm usually pretty honest about that. Um, but I do actually give them like a little to-do list 
And at the bottom of everybody's to-do list this year was they had to bring me a sticker for my bib. And that if I ran good, then I got a sticker for my bib when they were done running with me. Because you know what? If it takes treating me like a kindergartner and giving me stickers to get me through the race, that's what it takes. What kind of stickers did you get? Um, so I got, um, just a cute little kid sticker from Brooke. My friend Jason made me a sticker that said, um, Jason is my favorite pacer. Um, then I got one. Oh, now I'm going to blank on the one that Kathy gave me. She gave me this really, really big one that went on my, the back of my bib and a blanking and I'm blanking on what Mary gave me too. But, um, I still just really like the idea and it Mohican last year. Or in this year, every time my sister saw me, I got a sticker. I just like getting stickers for my bib. I feel like I earned something. Like, yeah, I did those miles. I get a sticker, just like my countdown jar, which I don't know if was mentioned yet either. I do a countdown jar for every single race. So this year it was Tootsie Rolls. I've done pumpkins. I've done poker chips. I've done gumballs. Melissa and I did a race where we did dumb, dumb suckers because I felt like I wasn't trained for it. And I have them portioned out in little Ziploc baggies and they're in my drop bag or like my stuff for my sister. And, you know, whenever I run, you know, when I get to a certain aid station, I've run so many miles and I get to add Tootsie Rolls to the Tootsie jar. And when it's full, it's full and I'm done. So... Awesome. Little motivation. So, yes, she is so organized. <laughs> you have all these little like little mental trick games and it like mm-hmm. and I I think just you know it proves so much that this distance is all mental. Like once you get a base <laughs> level of training, it is like how hard can you push yourself and how much can you keep moving and like all these little things you you both have like these little mental like games are great. Mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah. Um, With me, what I told my crew and my pacers no matter what, do not let me quit. I don't care if I'm crying, I'm cussing, I which I rarely do, but I do. I don't care if I say I'm hurt, unless obviously I'm really hurt. You do not let me quit. And that was the theme, the whole race. <laughs> so they weren't going to let me quit. Love it. And I didn't want to quit. Once I got, you know, 79 to Ira. I was still fine. I was still going, even though it was going to be five hours late. I was still going. But then, dun, 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 it hit <laughs> I was probably 80, mile 83, and my right knee, something felt weird, and I couldn't bend it. And I was, yeah, walking really, really slow. And I'm telling, and my pacer, Kim, I don't know her that well, but we're friends, but we've never really run together. And I'm going, oh, gosh, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it because of my knee. It hurts so bad. And and I'm going so slow now. And she's like, okay, well, let's get to the turnaround because she knew the course. She runs this section of the, that's by her house. So we get to um, Peninsula there mm-hmm. for the turnaround. But before I get to Peninsula turnaround, because I told her I'm going to quit, I called my next pacer, Rhonda. And I told her I'm done. Uh-huh. I, I am not going on. She's like, where are you at? I'm like, she's like, I'm five minutes away. Well, she lives not five minutes from there, but she says, I'll be there in 15 minutes. I said, oh, all right. All right. That's fine. But I'm quitting. You can bring, you can do whatever you want, but I am quitting. So we're, we're, we're just waiting there. It was probably about 45 minutes, half hour, 45 before she came. And so Kim, you know, goes into the car and says, I don't know if she's really hurt or she just wants to quit or she's tired. And Rhonda, I know very well. And she goes, she'll find out. So I get in her backseat of her car and 
one is like, I have ibuprofens, I have, I have braces, I have this, I have that. I said, Rhonda, I can't go on. She's like, you're going on. You are not quitting. She wouldn't let me quit. I said, well, when I got out of the car, it looked like it was going to storm. I'm like, it's going to rain. I do not want to walk in the rain. She's like, I have an umbrella. You are going. No, she was not letting me go. I mean, that was the perf- perfect person to call. I mean, she wasn't. She's like, I have ice. We can ice you up. We can do this. We can do that. You're going. And she was there. And she parked the car. And I kind of had a few choice words for her when she was driving away. I was like, um, bitch. <laughs> you know, we go on. So, but lovingly. So, so she was... She was with me from what? That was what? I had 1585 to the end and they would not let me quit. She did not let me quit. But after the ibuprofen kicked in, I was walking a little bit. I was still slow, but I was able to walk without much pain. I think it was just overuse, you know, that knee. I never had problem with that knee before, but it's fine now. And you were like, how far were you in? Like 27, 28, 20, like, what were you at for that time frame? 85, mile 85. But like hours wise, you know where you were? Oh gosh. Oh gosh. I don't even remember, but it was way late. It was like mile 30, 32, something like that. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Cause I can only imagine like, you know, you said you've done a 24 hour race before, but you probably never done anything longer than 24. So, you know, you've got an extra, you know, five, six hours on your, oh. on your, on your feet. Oh so. yeah. So yeah. And from a tr- body that wasn't trained for it. So yeah, it's, but it wasn't, I didn't hurt it bad. And if I was really hurt, they would have let me, mm-hmm. they would have let me drop, but, but it wasn't. Um. So before we jump into the last little section here, just want to remind everyone to get their questions in the chat. Um, we have a few more or, you know, 10, 20 minutes left here tonight. So make sure you get those in the, in the chat before we get our quick questions in at the end of the night. A um, couple chat questions that we do have. Um, one was uh, Eric Anderson, Eric Anderson early on asked, did you um, plan to do a run walk strategy from the start or was mm-hmm. it just like brisk walking or what was the plan for, for that from the beginning? Uh, my plan was, I was hoping to run at least five miles all the way run and then then run walk of course I mean I but I kind of well I was hoping to get to a half marathon without having to walk but it didn't work out that way but yeah run walk basically from the start it's awesome and for me I decided that I wanted to run the first three miles um and then every time my watch beeped that it was a mile I would walk 50 steps so it'd beep, I'd count 50 steps, get going again. It seemed enough just to get my heart rate down a little bit, get recharge the battery a little bit and keep going. And then I didn't have to like keep track of, okay, I'm running two minutes. I'm walking one minute. I'm this, like, I just knew, okay, beep, let's walk 50 steps. Or if I hit any sort of a hill, I would walk 50 steps. If I was eating, then I was allowed to walk. And if I felt like I needed to take an extra 50, I did it. But I was just counting to make sure that I was, you know, doing a minimum amount, but not letting it go on for too long. And that seemed to work really well for me in this. Yeah. She did that in training too. We did that in yeah. training. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause like, yeah, for me, it was like five and five. I, from the beginning, I think the first 50 miles, I didn't even break out of that pattern besides a couple of stations, just walk five, run five. 
Yeah. So, so it's 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 always cool to see the different strategies. I like the 50 step one. You're like, I'm going to go. And then then you got like Paul Jacobs who was like, I'm going to sprint one mile at the turnaround. <laughs> just to yeah. See. <laughs> so like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> so everyone's got all these different strategies and it's great. Um, it's a good episode if people didn't watch it. <laughs> Paul was a really nice guest. It was great to have him on. Yeah. Um, Arlen's in the chat tonight, Arlen Glick, and he says, <gasps> amazing job to both of you. So glad for y'all. Carol, now that you have a 100 mile podium finish, I'll be taking a pen along when I run to get you to autograph my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I love Arlen. <laughs> He's no, great. Brad. He's also got a wonderful <laughs> episode of Canal from last year, and that's a great yes. watch if you haven't watched I that watched one. watched it. And Mohican one and uh, Burning River one too. I've been binge watching the Arlen episodes. They're pretty good. He's he's a character. They're I love his stories. Yeah, yeah. he's good great. Luck. Good luck this weekend. When, heavily heavily in oh, yes, Arlen. Yes, 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 yes. It's gonna be Eric Anderson said that uh, everyone's gonna original nation will be following along and uh, it's gonna be fun to see him out there. Yeah, definitely. It's gonna be a blast. And actually, when I finished this race, I said to my sister, "Oh my gosh, I feel like Arlen." I can go home and shower and sleep <laughs> and go back to the finish line. I'm usually coming in like at the end and I'll see, you know, like at Mohican at our, this year at Mohican Arlen is like, you know, he's had many hours of sleep and looks very clean. And there's me covered in dirt and filth and exhausted and loopy. And we're chatting at the finish line. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. He just gets done so fast. It's, I know it's like second, he's so great though. He, he'd so be nice. showered and nap before second place comes in at this point. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, and it was great seeing him at Tuscazor this year because he was just out for a training run and we do that eight station and he's like, Oh, can I fill your water bottle for you? Can I get you some food for the runners who were coming in since awesome. he wasn't running for time? Yeah, it was great. Nice. Um, so now let's, let's jump into these last, these last final moments. Yeah. Um, We'll let you go first, Carol, because you are really excited to talk about those last. I'm really miles. excited. So from Man, Ira, that's like Ira that's the where end. the real it really went down. So, um, <laughs> so I picked up my friend Mary um, at Ira, who is just always man this bundle of yeah. Um, who can get me running like nobody else can. So I'm all excited because I pick up Mary and it's only five miles to that last turnaround. And I have been so excited about this last turnaround for so long because I know when I turn around, there's only 15 miles left. And I had on my iPod touch two different versions of Total Eclipse of the Heart on my iPod. I like music, but I try to save it for when it's really going to give me what I need. So I had the slower version of total eclipse of the heart. And then I had the like pride nightclub version of it. So as I'm in peninsula and we're getting close to the turnaround, it's this slow melodramatic total eclipse of the heart. And then it goes into this dance club, like really exciting version of it. So, you know, things to look forward to the turnaround, turnaround song. Um, and as I'm running, I'm trying to count women since it's an out and back. And I had thought that there was actually a decent chance I was going to be top 10, which is super exciting because for me, usually if I'm middle of the pack, I've had an amazing race because I'm the biggest grandma you'd ever meet on the downhills. I always say I like my ankles the way they are and better slow than broke. So I'm never podium like at all, which is fine. So I'm counting and I count five women in front of me and I'm like, oh my gosh, 
number five isn't that far ahead of me. Like, I think I could actually catch her. So I turn around and I do catch her and I get ahead of her and I'm so excited and I'm not usually competitive, that competitive, but I wanted this so bad. I'm, I thought I'm going to get so far ahead of her that she's just going to lose hope and I'm going to be fifth. Like I am just amped and I run like three miles in a row that are like 11 something miles when I've been doing like over 12 close to 13 for a long time and I'm yeah I'm excited um and then I get back to I run you know I, I I I'm a little less excited um I really am not wanting to eat much except I really want a picky bar and I tell my pacer have my crew find my picky bar they could not find the darn picky bar anywhere. And I found it two days later. It was in my pocket the whole time. And I just was so out of it that I didn't realize. I'm like, why can't they find my darn picky bar? That's all I want. But anyway, you know, I got a little better then. But um, I get to mile 95. I'm at second soul. And I'm just, I sat for a couple minutes. And I'm looking at the ground. And a woman runs by. And I'm like, ugh. I'm thinking it's this woman and her pacer. And then I've just been passed. And immediately I'm like, dang it. But you know what? She deserves it. Like, good for her, man, you know, running good. And I get up and I'm on the trail and my friend Bob Smith is in the parking lot and he sees this and he tells me later, he said, you were like delirious and you're just yelling after this girl. Good job. I'm so proud of you. Look at you go. I'm so, you know, like I was legitimately happy for her, but I'm just like, gone. And my pacer, I find out later is like, what is she going on about? What is she talking about? Because apparently it wasn't that woman. It was a guy and a female pacer, but I thought I just lost fifth place. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, so I, but I have, I thought that I just blew fifth place. So, you know, sixth, that's not bad. Um, so we keep running and we get into mile 97 and I told my crew, I said, okay, mile 97, I'm switching pacers. I'm going back out with my friend, Kathy, because I want it to be a very visual representation that I only have three miles left. Like this is cause to celebrate. And I said, I want a party at mile 97 because I've just run 97 miles. So I had happy birthday hats. So they literally had happy birthday hats and they had <clears throat> blowers and all of my crew is wearing happy birthday hats and blowers. And the volunteers at the aid station say, oh, whose birthday is it? And I say nobody's I just ran 97 miles so I wanted them to have a party for me so that's what we're doing so we had a party and Kathy puts on her happy birth where she had her happy birthday hat on there and then she forgot to take it off so she ran the last three miles with me in a happy birthday hat which I absolutely love um and they texted Kathy from the finish line and they said Carol's fifth and I did not believe them I'm like no I got passed like they're counting wrong I'm not fifth so I get to the finish line. The last three miles went really well. Um, and I'm just sitting in a chair and I'm like crying saying, I did not know I could do that. Cause I can't believe I wanted to finish in under 24 hours. And I beat that by three hours and 20 minutes. And I'm just like in shock over that. And then I said to Emily, I said, am I really fifth? And it's all on video. And she said, yeah. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> 
I just couldn't believe it. I was so excited. And then I told my sister that I wanted her to play the Tootsie Roll song for me at the finish roll because, you know, the Tootsie Rolls and I had all my Tootsie Rolls. So there's a video of me dancing at the finish line. And my boyfriend said it was the whitest white girl dance he's ever seen in his entire life. But we're all there dancing to the Tootsie Roll song at the finish line. My little sister's playing it on a speaker as I dump my Tootsie Rolls in. And it was just so exciting. And the finish line pictures, everybody's wearing the happy birthday hats. And it was just, it was just, I don't know how I'm ever going to top it. It was just great. So yeah, I, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I just don't have words for the happy birthday stuff. That's <laughs> That's like the wildest thing I've ever hear, heard. At like, <laughs> I just really wanted them to have a party for me. You know, it was my, yeah. race, my day. Every, I want to party. She makes every race fun. My and nickname every, is Fun Blood. Yes. That's what my friends call me is Fun Blood instead of Young Blood. John, you got some work to do in a couple weeks. Oh, <laughs> is officially set. Oh, I know. Like, so I'm <laughs> crewing for, for Wesley at River to River 100 here in two, like less than a week and a half, right? Yeah. So yeah. obviously I'm going to have to get some party hats and some whatever. <laughs> I highly glow recommend sticks. it. Yeah. I can tell my finishing story really quick. So I'm coming back. I got Rhonda and we're keep on, we're keep on going. And I think I get to second soul, you know, the second time and all I'm seeing is my friends. They're cheering me on. They're coming to see me and cheer me on. And some of them walked with me and I was just in shock. Told, and somebody, they brought me cheeseburgers and that. So we sit there, take some pictures. I rest and I keep going. And then I think I get to like Memorial and here comes more of my friends. And I'm just shocked. Some were my pacers, some were not, some were volunteers. And now I'm just crying because everybody's coming to support me to finish. I mean, literally we crying, love you. crying on the, but I compose myself. We keep going. So I'm finishing up. We're coming through after the hill. The hill, like Carol said, was not that as bad as I thought. I actually like the hill at the end because after straight for so long, the hill was nice. Um, so we get to, so we're getting into the fence and there was people um, um, playing volleyball and basketball. And all my crew was like, this girl's just finished a hundred miles and everybody just exploded there. They're like, it's like I had in my own cheering section. If I finished in 24 hours, 25 hours, I would not have had that. It would not have been that great. So um, her sister was playing my favorite songs coming in. And then I come in and then all I see is the finish line and all my friends, friends that I didn't even know would even show up. They showed up. They made a finish line for me and a my little hat that it was like my little finish line. And the first person I saw was my friend, John. And I just focused on him. I'm like, is that John? Oh my God, it's John. So I finish, I break the, the banner and I go give John a hug and then I hug everybody else. And they gave me a beer and it was the best finish. I, it would have been better. It's better than I finished in time because I'd say about 15, 20 people showed up for me to cheer me on at the end. Cause they were just, wanted to support me and they knew I was going to finish because well. you're special and we love you, Melissa. <laughs> Not everybody could do what you did. Right. Yeah. Most people would have stopped when they got cut off. Yes. Yeah. So no, but I was going to do it. And you did, but it's a ton of experience and I am doing it again next year. Everybody I have, I'm definitely doing it. And 
I will finish in the time. So within the time allotted, because I have it in me. It was just a bad race. It was just a learning race. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of one thing I want to dive into now for you two before we get into our quick questions, and we'll dive into those after this one, I think. But kind of what was the one thing you're taking away from this race that you're going to move forward with in like your one thing you learned from this 100-mile journey you both went on, starting with Melissa? Well, I always need every race. I need to transition better from aid, crew, and out the door. I take too much time. I sit down. I, I just take too much time in trying to transition. Now, the second thing is do not have coffee protein shakes um, <laughs> the whole race because I had a bellyache the whole end of the race. So I was in the Porta John a lot, very long time for that. So I learned not to do that. But just the best thing I need to learn is my transition. And my crew was doing their best to get me out. They were like, you got to go. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. But they were awesome. But I need to learn to transition. That's what I need to learn is getting in and out of the my crew and aid stations faster. That time can definitely add up. And you look at like it what, does. five minutes, six minutes per. If, if you did six minutes at every aid station, that's like two hours, two and a half. Right. Hours. Like it's, it's incredible how much time that can be. I think it was probably me end up being three to four hours. Now, when my knee was hurting, I had about an hour and a half, you know, wait there. So that I was waiting for Rhonda to get me going and, and that, but yeah, it was a lot of time that I need to get better at. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to be a huge thing for you moving forward is once you get that kind of figured out, it's going to play like leaps and bounds towards your next attempt next year. Definitely. It will for sure. Carol, what about you? What did you uh, take away from this race? I just, I, I'm trying to decide how it's going to translate for me because like I said, I've always been totally middle of the pack, back of the pack. Like I literally was the last female finisher in 2019 at Mohican. I did have a bad fall, but I've always just seen myself that way. And I don't, and the fact that I actually got fifth and there were more than five women um, makes me think that maybe I, I should try to push myself a little bit more. Um, I'm just, I'm really still processing all of it. It's still super mind blowing to me that I finished a hundred mile in 21 hours and 40 minutes. That was a PR by six hours and 50 minutes in my ninth 100 mile. So that's, yeah, I mean, it was flat, but yeah, I'm just, I'm processing it still. It's an incredible finish time. It's awesome. (laughs) I'm so happy happy for both of you on your, on your finishes. I saw her and I knew how far ahead she was. I was so excited for her because she kept on saying, I'm not going to make 24 under 24. I'm like, yeah, you are. I thought, I hope I'm not laughing my butt off at mile 20 or, you know, it, you know, mile 70 hot or whatever, you know, like why in the world would I have thought I could finish in under 24 hours? What were you thinking? And, you know, if I bombed it, then I'm like, well, that just means I'm going to slow down and have more fun. But man, it didn't happen. And I kept waiting like for me to hit that wall at some point in the race. And I was pretty consistent. I'm really surprised. Well, that was a good race. Yeah. It's a, yeah, awesome race for both of you. Um, let's jump into our quick questions, which is uh, another fun part of the night here. Um, what is one thing you can't leave an aid station without? Let's go with you first, Carol. 
Oh, Melissa, we can both say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Coke. Coke. Coca-Cola, as I call Coca-Cola. it. Coca-Cola. Caffeine, sugar. And I always, before my races, um, do a caffeine taper where I just, well, now I'm pretty much off it for the most part, but we'll taper myself off caffeine entirely. Um, you know, go like half calf to totally off it. So then when you're out there in the middle of the night and you get that caffeine in you, yeah, I mean, it really helps a lot. It's yeah, it's very helpful. Awesome. Um, what is the weirdest hallucination mid race or strangest thing you've seen somebody eat at an aid station? Go team first, Melissa. Well, it was me. I hallucinated. I thought I saw a wolf on the side of the road and I'm like Kim is that a wolf there she's like no it's but it is a branch that looks like a wolf so I really did think it was a wolf um <laughs> I, I guess I don't know I haven't seen anything weird at aid stations nothing all the normal stuff what are you Carol well, um, I've never hallucinated, um, but as far as the aid station food, this year I was volunteering at Burning River, the 4555 aid station. And the woman who was in first place came in and she said, I want you to give me three pieces of bread with as much Nutella as you can get between the slices. Just make me a big Nutella sandwich. And I'm like, all right. So I made her a big old Nutella sandwich. Um, and I'm pretty sure she ate one both times when she came through 45 and 55. So there was a 17 year old kid who ran uh, burning river 100 this year. And he came into the aid station with his, his uh, pacer and they're like, Oh, he really needs to eat something, but he doesn't know what he can eat. So I tell the 17 year old, well, you know, the first place woman, she came through and she ate three pieces of bread with a bunch of Nutella in between each slice. So he was like, Oh, okay, I'll eat that. So he ate that. And then he put on, um, after the race on the burning river page for the runners, he was giving his race feedback thing. And he said that he discovered how much he loves Nutella. So I thought that was great. Awesome. <laughs> I never would have thought of eating a triple decker Nutella sandwich, but it worked for her. And then that 17 year old now is excited about Nutella. <laughs> I never would have thought about trying that either. Wes, no. you look like you're about to say you want one. See, I'm actually, I'm actually out on Nutella. That's a hot take for a generation. Listen, no Nutella, no peanut butter for me. I only do peanut butter, <laughs> sell jelly sandwiches during races. I don't eat peanut butter outside of it. Sorry, Nutella. Recreational peanut butter. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Let's um, dive into our next quick question here. It's uh, one of my favorites. So Cam added it recently. It's what ball sport do you think you could beat most ultra runners at? Nothing. I am not <laughs> athletic whatsoever. If you would know me, you know, I'm running now, running, walking, jogging, whatever I'm doing. They're like, what? No, no, no. So I can't, I'm so uncoordinated. I can't win at anything. So I just picked pickleball because it seems to be like a newer thing. And I thought, well, maybe most ultra runners don't know how to play pickleball. And I actually have my own racket. So might be able to take them at pickleball. I'm also with you on the own racket thing and pickleball. I discovered it this year. I think it's one of the most underrated sports in all of the sporting category, ball sports category. So um, I think if we had a tournament, you know, I think we'd be near the top for sure. All right. We'll pair up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have fun. Yes. John, what's the next question here? 
So one, this next one is, I think my, I think my one of my favorites uh, is the uh, if Ultra Running had walk up songs like baseball, what would yours be? Whoever wants to go first. And I liked um, the Foo Fighters. Um, not the Foo Fighters. Um, Gym Class Heroes. Uh, what is it called? The Fighter. It's just if you've never heard of it, play it. It's just such an inspirational song that never give up. You know. And, the, and the, if, listen, what was it? it was Gym Class Heroes um, Fighter. So listen to it and you'll understand what I mean if you've never heard the song. Always a good one. We'll put that one on the list. Kim will be excited about that. What do you have, Carol? Right Now by Van Halen. It is such a good 100-mile song. It is so melodramatic. Like, it's the song I hear in my head at the start line, like, as we're all lining up, and it's just all about, like, yeah, right now! Like, you're doing this right now. Like, this is the time. We're doing this thing. Like, there's no tomorrow. We're doing this now. So... I like the drama of it. It gets me really amped, if you couldn't tell. But I, I do have a lot of energy. <laughs> I absolutely love that answer to the Spotify playlist as well. I think a lot of runners are going to love that when they're in mid-run, deep into this 40-hour playlist at this point to really kind of get them uh, rejuvenated. It's going to be awesome. Uh, kind of one of our other favorite questions we got here, one of our last ones. If you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner and they'd be able to keep up with you, who would it be and where would you run? Oh, I have no, oh goodness. I have no idea. Carol, you go first. Oh, okay. Um, Daniel Lieberman um, is who I put and I would love to run the Boston course with him. He's from Boston. He is a professor of evolutionary biology at Harvard. And I heard, I was on like a Zoom thing with him once and a bunch of other people and he's written books and he's so interesting because he's got stories about doing things like taking a treadmill up into the mountains, like in Africa and putting indigenous people on treadmills to have them like walk and run and see how they do things and put like accelerometers on like tribes of people that live in the middle of nowhere to see how active they are. And he's just got all these super fascinating stories and he's written several books and he's contributed some stuff to uh, the book born to run um, some of the like scientific evolutional evolutionary biology stuff. Super interesting guy. Could listen to him talk and talk and talk. Fascinating book too. If someone, if you haven't read that one, definitely a good read. Um, what about you, Melissa? Did you uh, come up with the idea yet? I didn't. I, <laughs> no, just all my friends, I guess. Yeah. I'm so lame. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's great too. Like just, I just, just love my community, my husband, you know, the running community in Canton is just, amazing just great 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 people like so many of them whether you like to run trails roads like whatever your pace we have a huge very active running community around here and i've never felt so welcome and i fit in and my whole life i never fit in anywhere because i was just kind of a shy backwards girl when i fit in with the running group running walking dogging it doesn't matter it's I just fit in and they make you feel loved. Definitely. Yeah. The running community is like none other. Um, Do either of you have social media or any sponsors you want to plug? I do not. I always say I want to plug volunteering. I'm huge on volunteering. um, And I feel like 
If you get the opportunity to volunteer either pacing someone in a 100 or volunteering at an aid station, particularly overnight, or if it's one that's like a twofer, like um, where the runners are five to 10 miles apart, it's like free graduate level education in ultra running. Like you will learn so much from watching people. Like I have pictures of people in my mind, like rocking like in the fetal position or on the ground writhing in pain that eat something or take something and you see them five or 10 miles later and you don't even recognize them because they're fine. Like it's so helpful to learn from them and learn what they eat and what they do. Like it's, it will only make you a better runner and it's super rewarding. So volunteer. Yeah. Awesome advice right there. And I'm excited to volunteer at Canal next year and, Yay! and watch you yeah. guys come through again, right? Definitely. Uh, I haven't <laughs> you're decided, like, you're not so yet. I probably will run it. I keep saying, oh, I don't know, but I'm, I probably will. Awesome. Um, yeah. So that's it for tonight. I just want to say a, a big thanks and congrats to both of you on your performances and finishing and really getting out there and, and digging deep for it. That's awesome. Um, Thanks, everyone, in the chat for being here tonight. All of Ridge Runner Nation who's listening to this later. Uh, we love all of you. Thanks so much. Um, and we're going to end with a comment from Josh Keck, who just says, I'm late to the party, but just wanted to say, heck yes, Ridge Runner's live three nights in a row, and says, I think you're <laughs> on to something here. Josh, I think you are correct. And on that note, we will see you on the next Ridge Runner's Live, and look out for a upcoming Boss Talks. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Rosanna Nation.